In the holy name of Jesus, amen. At the end of every day, every last thing in St. Matthew's life was settled, except St. Matthew. St. Matthew was a tax man. A good tax man balances his books. He settles his accounts. At the end of every day, he rests easy because he knows where he put all his pluses and all his minuses. At the end of every day, St. Matthew gave the appearance that all was well. St. Matthew had the veneer of success. He had the polish of well-being. Sure, nobody in Israel liked the tax man. Nobody in America likes the tax man either. Even an honest Jewish taxman was considered a traitor for taking money from his fellow Jews and giving it to the Romans who were the oppressors. But being rich and being scorned is better than being poor and being scorned. So at the end of every day, every last thing in St. Matthew's life was settled except for St. Matthew. St. Matthew was a complicated man, so it is remarkable that Jesus can expose his restlessness with just two words, follow me. So often when we bump up against sinners, you know, our kids when they disappoint us, or our friends when they let us down, or our spouse when they step out of line, the slow guy, the proud guy, the glib guy, the annoying guy. We think that what they need is a big dose of terror, a threat, and a judgment, a howl that is long and loud and painful, if we can make it so. And we demand a little payback, a little self-sacrifice from sinners before they can be saved. Here is the howl in the text for today. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus' disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But you see that public shaming is ineffective for those who have already been shamed publicly. St. Matthew had heard it all before. He had heard that he was a tax collector and a sinner, a traitor, a thief, an outcast, and a jerk. But he was still rich, and he was still well protected by Roman soldiers. So the howl of harsh words will not bend him or break him or change him or hurt him. They bounce right off that surface, that polished veneer, until Jesus comes to him and Jesus speaks kindly. When we lived in Cambridge, there was a boy stealing money from the Sunday school collection. Everybody knew it, but nobody actually saw it. He was a tough little guy, and he wasn't going to admit it. Not even when they dragged him by the ear down to the preceptor's office. Even the preceptor couldn't break him. 
But then, in a clever change of course, the preceptor said, You know, if you did steal the money, we still love you. And the kid burst into tears, and he spilled his pockets out on the desk, all the money that had been stolen, and then everything was forgiven. That, you see, is what changes St. Matthew. Just those two kind words, follow me. Everything is forgiven. We should not give the credit for this change, this conversion to St. Matthew. St. Matthew did not do a quick cost-benefit analysis. He did not add up the pluses and minuses, spot a good deal, and then give his heart to Jesus. Nope. Nobody ever does. Conversion does not work like that. It works like this. Matthew didn't love Jesus. Jesus loved Matthew. Matthew didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose Matthew. Matthew didn't believe in Jesus. Jesus believed in Matthew. Matthew didn't give his heart to Jesus. Jesus gave his heart to Matthew. Matthew didn't follow Jesus. Jesus followed Matthew all the way to the tax booth. Jesus came to him and he spoke to him and he embraced him. Jesus loved him with a love that erased all of Matthew's minuses and all of his pluses too. Jesus loved St. Matthew with a love that scraped off the veneer and got right down to the simmer. Jesus' kindness exposed St. Matthew for what he was, a sinner, a traitor, a jerk, a dead man, and very, very restless in his soul. And then Jesus loved St. Matthew in spite of himself. And once that happened, once Jesus had touched him, once Jesus had worked with him and forgiven him and loved him, once Jesus had saved him, then St. Matthew got up, and then he followed. Then he went home, and he had dinner with Jesus, and he became an apostle, and he wrote a gospel, and he became a missionary. He went to Ethiopia and to Persia, and then he became the patron saint of bankers, and then he came to your lectern from where you're sitting. He's top left. That's St. Matthew, the winged man. Matthew perfectly settled in because Jesus settled him. It is the very same for you and for me and for all the people around you in Wheaton, Illinois. We live in a town where the veneer is spit-polished. But you know as well as I that underneath everything is always simmering. Only Jesus can scrape away the veneer and only Jesus can reveal to us what we really are. Only Jesus can touch us and balance our books and calm our storms, and he does it. He does it to you, he does it to me, he does it to everybody else, not by being harsh and snooty and shaming and judgmental, not by yelling and inflicting pain, not by demanding sacrifice, not telling folks to toe the line, and then we'll love you. Nope. Jesus does it by loving us first even the most unlovable ones, because frankly, everybody is unlovable. 
even St. Matthew, even that little thief from Sunday school, even you and even me. So that's what happens again here today. Matthew and you and I, all dead, all jerks, all restless. But Jesus' love and Jesus' embrace, Jesus' kindness, Jesus' simple words, I love you, I forgive you, I want you, come home. Those words change us and enliven us. Those words forgive us and resurrect us. Those are the words that lure us and draw us and attract us. Those are the words that satisfy us. Those are the words that settle us into a life of follow me. When you go out today, take a look at the monitor. There you will see the famous painting of this event by Caravaggio. And you will see, as Jesus reaches out to St. Matthew, that he reaches out just the way that God the Father reaches out to St. Adam at the creation as it's painted on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Salvation is the same old story again and again and again and again. doesn't matter if it's Adam or Matthew or you or me. It's the same for all of us. So today we've come, and Jesus speaks kindly, and then tomorrow and the next day and the next day, we are forgiven and we are free. We are free to follow. We are free not to be a jerk. We are free from sin and guilt and shame. We are free from the need to be judged and to be broken. We are free from the need to judge others. We are free from the need to hide our sins. We are free from the need to feel bad about ourselves. We are free from the need to fix ourselves or to save ourselves or to convert ourselves. We are free to live in Jesus, to live in love and to live in mercy. That change, that call, that conversion, that resurrection. We don't start it. We don't finish it. We don't manufacture it. We don't earn it. But we do receive it again here this morning. We receive it in the Viva Vox, the living voice of Jesus. We receive it in the memory of our baptism. And in a moment, we will receive it in the touch of the Holy Eucharist. And then we will go and we get to live our lives as saints. We get to live we get to settle down and we get to settle in from now until someday when follow me gives way to welcome home, good and faithful servant. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.